The views and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast, episode number 14. This episode is going to be brought to you by Hotshot Brewery. Swing over there to get some uh, awesome coffee and some awesome t-shirts. Embrace that firefighter culture. And uh, yeah, also, little do you guys know, or you may know it, I don't know. I know that a portion of their proceeds goes directly to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. So make sure you guys swing over there, pick up some coffee, and uh, yeah, good coffee for a good cause. Also, speaking of Hotshot Brewery, we got a little contest going. Swing over to our uh, iTunes and write us the funniest five-star review that you could possibly imagine. Don't stretch. Be imaginative. But yeah, funniest, the two funniest five-star reviews are going to win a $25 gift certificate from Hotshot Brewery, and they're going to get a grip of stickers from the Anchor Point Podcast. So we're going to pull our two winners by September 6th, so get your submissions in. Also, it helps us out if you guys take a screenshot of your review, post it in uh, the old Instagram, and tag myself, the Anchor Point Podcast, and Hot Shop Brewery. We'll review those, and we'll take two winners on September 6th. So today on the show, I've got Ashley Letcher. She's a FEO out of Region 5, and she also happens to be a SME for R5 Fire Hire, primarily for the apprenticeship program and your seasonals. So today on the show, we are going to talk about Fire Hire. We're going to talk about dialing in your resume, and we're going to talk about navigating USA Jobs. I know a lot of questions have been asked on, asked on the old internet, and uh, yeah, we're going to answer some of those questions. So... If you guys are looking for a new spot, looking for that perm, looking for that apprenticeship gig, definitely take some notes. Anyways, guys, hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Anchor Point. Are you uh, ready to do this? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Well, let's just send it. Ladies and gentlemen, right. welcome to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast, episode number 14. A lot of questions have been asked about hiring, so lucky for you guys, I have an SME who works for Region 5. <laughs> Ashley. Hi. <laughs> Ashley, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Ashley. Hey, my name is Ashley Letcher, and I'm a fire engine operator out here in Region 5 on a Type 3 fire engine. Nice. So how long have you been doing fire? I've been doing fire since 2008. I started off as a seasonal uh, up on the Shasta Trinity in the Klamath, and then went and did some wintertime fields work on Cape Cod National Seashore for a fire management program there, and then worked in Yosemite Valley as a seasonal on an engine, and then took a permanent job in 2013 in Idaho on the Sawtooth National Forest. Hell yeah. And then I worked my way back 
in Region 4 for the HT, became a transferred over as a senior firefighter, and then took a AFEO job, and I was an AFEO till last year, and then I took an FEO job on the NU. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Now I work on the El Dorado. <laughs> so you've been pretty much all across the United States fighting fire. What was, uh, yeah. what was back east like? Back east was fun. Uh, it was, we did a lot of battlefield burning. And so you got to do a lot of grass burning. We did a lot of understory burns too, because it's actually got a lot of timber out there. And so we just, we did a lot of burning. We would travel up the, um, for the park service, the eastern, northeastern region, and we would do fuels reduction projects throughout the region for, for them. So we were like this like small little group, and at the I think my second year there, we had an AmeriCorps crew join us, and so we we got to teach them a little bit about fire, fire effects, and prescribed fire, and went on a few fires and in the great, great east of Virginia. <laughs> nice fighting fire with different place it is a different place but it's a great experience that's awesome yeah taking out americorps kids is pretty fun um i haven't gotten the opportunity to do it like for very much time but uh yeah it is pretty fun kind of expand their horizons so to speak uh and when it comes to firefighting yeah i think also they uh they like to they like to learn and that's why they're there. And so they're just really excited about it. And they really want to do something well for the environment and have their little, their mark in there. And so they're all super cool people. I haven't met one that I'm like, what are you doing <laughs> here? <laughs> but they're all really good people. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And they work for like very minimal money a month. And yeah. so you, you want to take them out and feed them because <laughs> it makes them so happy. Oh, yeah. They're like food, real food. Because they only get like a stipend, right? That's like a monthly stipend for their work. Yeah, they get a monthly stipend. And so you knew that like they were really excited when they got their pay. But it was you definitely at the end of the month, you were like, hey, let's go out to dinner. Nice. <laughs> I'll pay for it. Well, I think that's also. Or we'll come over and cook for you. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I also <laughs> yeah. think that's like a like an excellent recruiting tool for the you know future generation of firefighters coming through as well. It is. It's actually a lot of um, a lot of AmeriCorps actually does come over into fire, especially if they were in a fire AmeriCorps program. And so they are a great recruitment tool because then they have a little bit of experience under their belt and they. Uh, they tend to actually gravitate towards it. And that's awesome. Yeah, and they also yeah. got like fuels work, uh, trail building experience. So it's kind of like a shoe in. Yeah, they come with like, so they do all these community service programs throughout the, the AmeriCorps program in the United States. And so they do a lot of community service programs and they build trails or they do fuels reduction around like, um, out in the forest, even we have an AmeriCorps program here that they're out doing fuels reduction projects and building piles for us. And so they already have a grasp on what we're doing. Nice. And now you don't have to be 18 to join AmeriCorps, correct? I think you do have to be 18 to join AmeriCorps. Okay. So yeah, that was a misconception of mine. I didn't know. I thought you had to be like 16 years old 
to uh, no. join AmeriCorps as long as you weren't on a fuels or fire crew. Yeah, I think you, because that would be, I think you do have to be 18 because it's a bridge into college and most of them are college students that are, so at the end of their program, most of them get a, um, a tuition stipend, which either pays um, part of their student loans or student loan debt or it goes to the next year of school that they go to. That sounds like an awesome program. It is. I mean, I don't think that we utilize it enough. I had no idea about it when I was getting out of high school and going into college. (laughs) I probably would have done it. (laughs) It's a good opportunity to pay off some of that student loan and uh, go out in the forest and enjoy nature. Yeah, I mean, you can't ask for more than that. Hell yeah. (laughs) Well, um, enough about AmeriCorps. Let's talk about yeah. Fire Hire. So you exclusively work for Region 5 Fire Hire, correct? I do, yes. Okay, so you're an SME, a subject matter expert. Now, what the hell is a subject matter expert in your best terms? So basically what they're doing is they're taking people that have the boots on the ground and they're out in the field and they're taking them and putting them in this room and they're gonna sit down and read resumes and they're gonna see where candidates qualify or rate basically based on your resume. And so they deem me as an expert in my field and in my position. I have 11, I think 11 seasons in or 12, it all blends together, but I have, quite a bit of experience in the field so they're gonna they deem me and others throughout the region as an expert in the field operations of wildland fire suppression fuels and prescribed fire and daily operations gotcha now uh the smes are do they review um specific things like say engine crews versus um like a wildland fire use module versus like a hotshot crew or hell attack module so yeah they do so we break it down into different areas especially for um we did it a lot for the seasonal stuff we've kind of moved away from that but we have for permanent fire hire we everybody is in their element so i take on the apprentice and sometimes a little bit of AFEO, but I usually do apprentice, and so I'm and I'm content with that. And so I'm basically being a subject matter expert for people that are entry level leadership. Gotcha. Or entry level. So you primarily work with the apprenticeship program and I am a huge proponent of the apprenticeship program. I was an apprentice myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that our listeners should listen up to this cause we're going to go into the details about hiring and navigating yeah. USA jobs, writing a dope resume. <laughs> it's going to get exciting. <laughs> it's going to get really exciting. So hopefully this will help out some people that are looking into that apprenticeship program. Like I said, I'm a huge, huge advocate for it. And, uh, yeah. Let's talk uh, I, apprenticeship. Let's talk. Let's talk resumes, actually. Yeah. So resumes are hard, especially for the government. Um, I think 
we have a different system and the fact that we really one we're really proud people and so we have a really hard time putting ourselves on paper and making ourselves look good because we all want to be really humble about it and so we tend to short ourselves in our resume and we forget to put things like the littlest things like if you do admin work or you know you know how to do some woodworking or basic carpentry skills um we forget to put all those things in there so it's really important to like read your resume and really think about what you do throughout the season Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of those things get shoveled off because we hate talking about ourselves. Oh, 100%. I am not one for it either. I sit down and try to write my resume and I'm like, I draw blanks and I just want to be like, oh, I do work and have people understand that I, I do my job. But yeah. that's not the case. <laughs> well, it's funny, though, because we get into this like ideology or this idea that, you know, oh, yeah, these are going to be firefighters running or reading our resume. So they know what we do. But from your end of the of the perspective, I guess uh, you're looking for quality applicants. So to anybody that's out there that's writing their resume, sell yourself. I know it sounds stupid and it sounds just like you're, I don't know, sitting there blowing yourself on a piece of paper. But hey. <laughs> It's true. You need to. Everybody feels weird about it. <laughs> I feel super weird about it. Yeah. I I do to this day. So I still have to get out paper and, you know, remind myself that I I still do firefighter one duties. And unfortunately, I still have to put that down on my resume. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like simple things, too. Like, oh, yeah, I know how to do ETS, too, for travel. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's critical. Mean, I know how to work Paycheck 8. Yeah. If you know how to do Paycheck 8, like you definitely need to put that down because then it also shows that you're, a lot of our jobs are, especially when you get into moving on up, you you do have a lot of computer-based stuff. So oh, yeah. you want to put down that you actually do have some working knowledge of our computer-based systems. And I think, especially for people that are... Um, coming off a cruise and stuff like that, they don't realize the importance of that and that it's to show that you have that knowledge and to actually have that knowledge is great. Oh, absolutely. Especially like, so smoke jumpers and hotshots, they usually have an admin staff that are doing their times for them, doing their travel for them. You guys, if you want to get into a permanent position or a position where you're kind of, pumping the brakes, so to speak, and hanging out more at home with your wife and kids, definitely learn how to do these things because it's going to go far on your resume. All those admin tasks are critical. Yeah, and eventually you're going to be that person that has to do it for other people. (laughs) Yep. That's a funny thing, too, that I never really anticipated with my career over the time is uh, coming from, like, the dirtbag tool swinger all the way to where I am now. And I'm not high up in the chain at all. <coughs> but, uh, yeah, I definitely noticed that you spend less time pulling weeds and more time doing admin duties. So that stuff is critical that you learn it. Yeah, and uh, and it also depends on the module that you go to. Um, with engines, there's a little bit more flexibility to go and teach people how to do all that as, like, a seasonal um, so you, you will get to do, um, and 
some some modules do have it as expected that you will do your own times that it's your as you get higher as you've been a returning seasonal you know you're gonna do those things because they're they're molding you into being that person oh absolutely especially for like hell attack too hell attack good my god there's so much administrative paperwork to do with a hell attack module yeah and with hell attack modules you're a little bit more independent and you have option opportunities to go out single or and do single resource or do independent assignments and so your supervisor is most likely going to point to you to do your travel so that you can get it in and it, and being responsible for it and accountable for your your assignments, basically. So it is really important to acknowledge that you do that because it is such a underestimated skill now. Oh, yeah, especially if you're looking for one of those permanent positions. Um, even the apprenticeship, I mean, back to our original subject here, we kind of went yeah. down a rabbit hole there, but... <laughs> Yeah, even the apprenticeship. If you guys are looking for an apprenticeship slot, those admin duties, they go miles. Oh, 100%. Um, I think the other one that people really um, need to hone in on is that communication. Creating um, an open communication with supervisors or module leadership and district leadership, you know, that's like a really, really important key to have on your resume. We understand that you can talk on a radio and talk back and use proper terminology, but can you talk to a supervisor or not just a supervisor, but like a battalion chief or, you know, the district duty? Um, Do you have a good working communication with them? Those are things that we kind of underestimate as well as, just radio communications in our resumes is can you talk to other people face to face (laughs) or on the phone professionally oh yeah absolutely and even i think that the uh something that's often overlooked too is going to be your relationships with the public because when it boils down to it we are a public service right oh of course so do you talk to the public in a professional manner can are you approachable by the public do you do you make public contacts just having people come into your station? Those are, again, those are just like little things that we forget to put down on our resumes that we do because we don't think of it as like a big deal in our, in our job. And it actually kind of is because you want to demonstrate that you can communicate to people both on and off the fire line. Oh, absolutely. So now what about like your uh, on-duty on jobs, like uh, your suppression duties, your preparedness duties, your leadership duties? What about those? What's the best way to break those down and summarize them or whatever on a resume? So as you move up and especially with people that are uh, going into the apprenticeship, most of them are working their way into a leadership role. So I like to see, and it, it makes it really easy. And believe it or not, I didn't actually know this until um, I had quite a few years in that you should break down your your leadership, your supervisory, and then into like suppression. It should be kind of in chunks so that you know um, you're giving people, you're not all over the place. Your resume, if you break it down into absolute chunks of what you do, leadership, suppression, 
communications and then uh, admin, it works out perfectly. And so for suppression, you see this very generic sentence and it says performs higher suppression duties. Well, what is that exactly? Exactly. (laughs) Come on, you guys got to sell yourselves. (laughs) So you, the good thing to do with that is break it down. Um, and, and wording, I, I can't give specific wording because that's, I would be plagiarizing like the PDs, but, um, you know, just, you need to put in there, like, what you do. Do you, you know, you put handline in using tools, uh, cutting handline with chainsaws, or, you know, you use chainsaws to do fuels reduction and perform fire, fire, uh, fire handline for suppression. I mean, these are all things that need to be put into your resume. That generic sentence, and I've seen it so many times, just doesn't really do it like and it's not because the people that are reading the subject matter experts like we we know what we're doing we know what you mean by that but there's a whole other aspect of people that read your resume as well that don't necessarily work in in fire those are the hr folks and you have to kind of justify that to them oh i gotcha but that's like one of those things it's like if you if you have expertise doing firing operations, um, suppression tactics using indirect and direct attack, you know, put stuff like that in there. Yeah, you should like, you should say, you know, I've, I've been on, um, firing team using drip torches to do various, um, various firing patterns, you know, like those are things that like, you, that's showing that you have the knowledge and the grasp of your job. Oh, absolutely. And the more you put in there, well, maybe not necessarily quantity, but quality. You're quality sh- sentences. Yeah, quality really sentences. Help. Guys, get Grammarly for F's sakes. Get Grammarly and <laughs> spell check your yeah. resume. And, it, you know, um, there's all these online, you know, you have the dictionary and dictionary.com that can help you find other words and how to like word things. And it doesn't make sense. Like there's always that you can always go to that and then have somebody else read your resume. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you got a BC or a captain that'll take time to read a resume, I think that's going to do you a lot of favors. Yeah. I mean, as many people as you can to read a resume, get your resume read because of the fact that everybody, every single one of those people have gone through the process and have had to write that same resume (laughs) in their own words and had to sit there and look at a piece of paper and draw a blank stare and be like, what do I put down? And then, you know, they, they've done it. It took me over a month to write my own resume when I started my fire resume. And so I, I understand. So I sit and read people's resumes all the time and hiring and getting applications and resumes in is probably a priority for my module in this in this moment in time oh yeah especially with fire hire going on right now yeah application season and then it doesn't end seasonal seasonal application season is probably going to be opening up mid-september so it's a lot and and then you still have your normal job to do 
Oh yeah. Which is going to fire. <laughs> Wearing many hats, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So having it so that like people's resumes are ready to just turn it in. That's, that's also one thing is take the time to do it beforehand. Oh yeah. And send it. Oh yeah. Especially if you put that quality resume together if you do a lot of work on your resume, it's going to show and it's going to show someone like you, an SME, that the applicant gives a shit about their application. Yeah. So, and it is important because you get a lot. And it's not, I don't think that it's a lot of people. I, I've seen a lot of other resumes that are really short and sweet and they have generic, you know, the generic sentences. And it's not that. I don't think that they didn't put any effort into their resume. They just didn't know better. Gotcha. So ask, ask if you don't know. Yeah, definitely utilize people at your station to read your resume. I think that's the other place that we're, we're also super proud is that we don't want to have somebody be like, no, this isn't right. Or we're afraid of getting our resume, something that we put a lot of time and effort into ripped to shreds. And so, well, I think it's good though. I think it's good that it gets ripped to shreds though, because that's only going to improve your resume. So take a little slice of humble pie, share your resume with some other people and get a good like analysis of what needs to be dialed in on your resume. Yeah. And I, you know, and a lot of people aren't going to rip you to shreds. They're just going to be like, Hey, you either need to start over or this is what I see that you can be saying differently or doing differently. Um, I know that when I, I read people's resumes, if I think that a sentence sounds weird, I'll sit there and write it out a couple times until it doesn't sound weird anymore. Yeah. Make it flow. <laughs> or it... Yeah. You got to make what? it flow, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just it's so that the wording makes sense. And so I don't rip people to shreds. I just, you know, I'm like, hey, you should try wording it like this. And they're seeing me like kind of like try to figure out a good way to say it. And so I'm not ripping them to shreds. I'm just saying, hey, this could be written better. Um, and there is a nice way of saying it. And I think that everybody is really, for the most part, nice about helping people write resumes because they know the the process and the application process is a little bit it's not exactly your private sector resume oh no it's uh definitely a a stark contrast between the private sector and you know what we do and this it's just a different format in general yeah and whereas we we like to hear everything and get the the concept and the grasp um and make no assumption on your resume whereas like the private sector you could have a very short one-page resume and that would be fine and that's not necessarily the case for us absolutely so what about like the structure of a resume like what what are you looking for as far as like the breakdown like title header mission objective or like summary like then it goes into your experience with references at the bottom or what do you what are you looking for so let's references should be at the bottom, but you need to have references. Um, we're really, really uh, good about reaching out or trying to do whatever it takes to get a hold of your references. And so I would have to say that it would be really cool if the numbers and the contacts are um, email 
and phone number because we have to make phone calls and we do send out the form in email because it's a lot easier to have people type it out even though we do references over the phone we will send it out preferred email because then people can put it take the time and actually sit and do it and it's not my chicken scratch on a piece of paper and they can you know other the reference itself can actually take the time to give you a good reference and so that's important um if you don't have references it just depends on the process sometimes we'll reach out and we also find that people don't answer when we call to get references or um, make interest calls that people don't like to answer numbers that they don't know so uh, we do try to communicate in any way shape or form we'll email you we'll call you and then we'll text you <laughs> gotcha so answer your phones it might be yeah. important so I feel and I find that um, if I text people to get information for them or from them, um, they call back. So oh, I just weird. shoot a text now. You just shoot a text, it's, huh? Yep. Technology. There right, we go. <laughs> Texting is the I preferred swear. way of communicating. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love how I say that. Oh, millennials. And technically I am a millennial. Yeah. So am I. So I can't really say anything. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Man. Um, references super important uh, up-to-date information is also really important and let them know that somebody from some fire hire from either region five four three one six is gonna call them because a lot of people don't especially if they don't work for the agency they have no idea what I do <laughs> And why the government is calling them. <laughs> yeah, usually when the government calls, it's not really a good day. No, or they think it's a scam. <laughs> or that, yeah, that is true. So um, just keep them, keep your references informed that people are going to be contacting you from, you know, if you're, you're applying as a seasonal to upgrade or and you're applying as an apprentice, that you could get phone calls about jobs and references for i'm going to go with from october all the way through january that's a huge span of time it is and it's because they're two separate time frames yeah <laughs> for well, seasonal and for apprentices yeah so when and you don't forget break spring it down. spring might be a thing again so yeah and when you break it down there's two different hiring well three technically there's perm and then there's apprentice and then there's uh seasonal hiring so yeah, and none of them, and then regions all vary too. So none of them, um, I think they're trying to get more on board with doing it all at the same time and doing it as a national fire hire. Um, but it doesn't mean that one is not going to delay over other regions just because they might not be ready or um, Albuquerque or the HR departments choose basically when those hiring dates are going to be done. Well, I really wish that they would uh, move that hiring season to like November, but it's not necessarily yeah. the case. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, it's really hard because with the exception of this year, we've been, you know, super busy all summer long and then it all just starts again. And sometimes like people aren't laid off or 
and they're out on assignments and have to come back and so or they just can't because they're going to fire hire so it's really important that we kind of start shifting it a month later <laughs> but this is all where out of the authority all the hiring people for regions don't really get a huge say in our time frames. Yeah, this is all dictated by a higher level of management, of course. But uh, yeah, but and that, it's that, mainly HR. <laughs> yeah, but that's a good opportunity, though. It's a good <coughs> a good thing to say to the people that are listening. Uh, definitely keep up on USA Jobs. Keep up on that announcement page for uh, the Forest Service, and keep checking that thing because you never know what opportunities are going to come up. Yeah, um, and if there's a local forest in the area, some of them have recruitment programs and have active websites. And so if you are looking for a job on a certain forest, you can always go into an office and ask, you know, do you have a recruitment website or, you know, any a sort of a means of recruiting people and getting that information out there? Oh, yeah. So they're trying to be better about it. Yeah, I think that uh, with the rise of social media, I think that uh, the agencies uh, are being a little bit better in utilizing social media for recruitment tools, which I wholeheartedly embrace. Yeah, you have to like kind of shift with your times and go with the movement. And so a lot of people are on social media and that's how they get their information these days, not by magazines or uh newspapers or flyers like a lot of a lot more people go to all the websites and all the the pages on instagram such as you know hotshot brewery people that are willing to put out the information and they look at that and that's where they get their information now so it's time for us and i know that a lot of the forests have Facebook pages and social media, Instagram pages. And so they've been getting better about putting job opportunities and announcements for jobs up on their Facebook and Instagram pages and Twitter. And so okay. it's getting better, especially with the social media. Good. And I think that's a, a, just a sign of the times. And I think that, you know, it's a good thing that we're embracing this change and making it work. Yeah, I would definitely not put that on my resume that I'm like a master at social media, but <laughs> people, because <laughs> it, it, yeah, <laughs> cell phones are definitely you know like a new, a new issue. You know, like hey, you can't put that on Instagram, or you know, you work for the federal government now, so your Instagram is now our Instagram. <laughs> Pretty much the case. So. <laughs> So as far as last couple points on resumes, um, now, are you looking for bullet points or are you looking for like a narrative format or a combination of the two when you're breaking down your resume? So narratives are okay. Um, it's overwhelming to subject matter experts and the hiring officials when they read resumes. And so it's a lot of words. So bullet points are so much better for the eyes especially because a lot of these folks are reading you know 100 to 200 applications in a week span and we have it divided up between you know a bunch of people so but 200 resumes is a lot to read and after you know you do 15 in a day or 16 in a day your your eyes are going in different directions so bullet points are pretty well 
um, to the point and it's easier on the eyes. Yeah. Narratives are fine. Um, I've definitely seen really good narrative resumes, so I, I don't want to knock them too much, but bullet points are just, it's a lot easier to do that. And you can do the combination if you're breaking down your, all your resume stuff into different, um, aspects, supervisory or, you know, leadership roles and stuff like that. That's totally fine. But I definitely, I, I prefer, and a lot of other people prefer the bullet point aspect of of a resume. Okay. So now final question about writing a bomber resume. Let's be honest. The USA jobs resume builder sucks. Yeah. Let's get into word. (laughs) <laughs> and now let's write a good resume in a good format that's easy to read. And now what would you prefer as far as formatting? Would you rather save that as a PDF and upload it to USA Jobs or a Word document? What's what's your preference? Um, so for me, if I'm helping you work on your resume, I need it in a Word document. So that's a lot easier. PDF is better though, because it doesn't screw up the formatting when it transfers over. Cause it's already, it's most of the time it, you can't edit it. And so the, the, the formatting can get messed up if you're emailing your resume to yourself and opening it up on different types of word processing documents. So like if you go from word to pages, it, it's not going to have the same format. So you're going to have gaps in your, in your work experience. And it's something that like, you just can't ever end up fixing. So the formatting gets screwed up. So, um, and when it transfers over from the word document into USA jobs, it's better to have a PDF. Okay. So upload a separate resume in a PDF format. Yeah, I would transfer it or, yeah, I would transfer it into from a word to a PDF before I upload it because then nothing can get screwed up between the transfer from the PDF over to USA Jobs. There we go. All right. So it's a lot easier. And I mean, I've looked at resumes that you're like, there's like, you know, half a blank page because the formatting has gotten screwed up. Just random things getting truncated or uh, mismatched. Yeah, and it's, again, it also happens, you know, just from opening it up and from Windows Word to a different Windows Word, it can get screwed up. So it's a lot easier just to do PDFs. There we go. Speaking of USA Jobs and uploading stuff into USA Jobs, let's talk a little bit about that. I understand you're pretty skookum with uh, the navigation of USA Jobs. So let's, uh, let's get on that subject. Oh, man. So there's a new recruitment uh website for the forest service and it replaced e-recruit and i don't know the the new title for uh the forest service job application itself through usa jobs but i did go through it um and man i feel bad for people these days Well, it is a uh, government system. It's never been convenient to navigate USA Jobs or any of the other uh, hiring platforms that we, we typically deal with. No, and I thought that uh, AVU was... I thought we were done with that. 
Um, <laughs> but USA Jobs is, you know, it's a it's a much better system. Going through it, uh, you still can upload your resume, or you can use the resume builder if that's what you so truly prefer. I would um, recommend not using the resume builder. I, I do recommend not using it, but some people don't have that access or so it's available to use. Um, and then just making sure that you go through all the bullet points of uploading uh, required documentation is also key in this resume process. It's, you know, you're applying for the apprentice and you are going for a four or five, you need to show some sort of experience to back up your resume so you know you're going to need something called a master iqcs and hopefully people are, that are applying for the apprenticeship as fours and fives do know what a master iqcs is and then you're going to need some documentation as like far as sf50s which just shows your time in grade and that backs up the dates on your resume um and it doesn't have to be spectacular and you can get that probably through an HR person in your department, or you can call your HR department for DOI or uh, ASC for the Forest Service, and they should be able to email that to you with um, some require you to sign something because it has personal identifiable information on it. And so need to make sure that you get that and then you can upload those and like i've never had an issue and heard of people having issues with uploading your documentation through usa jobs um you just need to make sure that you do it and have it on there and that you're deleting old documents too so that you don't have a chance of uploading the wrong one that'd be a tragedy especially if you're shooting for that six position and you uh, upload your gs3 resume that'd be a travesty yeah or um you uploaded you thought you you put a you know a performance eval on there and you uploaded the wrong one and it makes for some of the permanent jobs if you don't have a performance eval you don't qualify for your job (laughs) yeah that's that's one of those required documents too that's usually typical on every every perm position at least I've applied for yeah and you know even as a person if they're not asking for it it's always good to put it on there anyway you if you have been working for an agency you should always just upload your at least your master IQCS and a performance eval just as like a courtesy yeah as a courtesy Um, that way you can show that you have your experience and that you've been you know out there doing things you have your 90 days on the fire line for a four um and then the performance is just you know are you a fully successful person <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that minimally successful that's for sure yeah you know you you did your job fully successful so yeah. it's just a courtesy um i learned that when i was a seasonal just to there's a reason why you get it. And so it also backs up your reinstatement eligibility too. Gotcha. So now what about like special certificates? Say you have your EMT certificate, say you have a commercial driver's license, say you have a letter of recommendation or just some random uh, qualification, like a CrossFit level one or something like that. Um, EMT is actually kind of important 
because we do like to see people having EMT. It's not to, you know, it's so that we can help build upon in our modules. Say if they only have like one EMT, like maybe that's something that they might be like looking to like have another one so that they can have two, depending on the module size or maybe three or four. And so I think the EMT is really good um, to put on there. You could put your your class B in your resume. I don't. So if anything has pictures, it gets blacked out. So we can't see what you look like. Gotcha. And so um, I would say that you don't need to put red cards unless you don't have a master IQCS. Um, but red cards, no. Uh, I would say like CrossFit instructor, that would be like something I would put in my resume as like, you know, um, if it's a job, if it was a job for sure, or, um, you know, special statements about yourself, you know, things that you like to do, hiking, running. Um, I would put that in there. Just, I would keep my, my certifications relevant to my job. Okay. So, uh, now as far as navigating USA jobs, when you go to hit that apply button, yeah, what are we going to expect? So it's going to take you from USA jobs over to the forest service website, or if it's DOI, it'll take you to the DOI application site. And there are two different sites. Um, so don't hit the back button cause it won't take you back to USA jobs. You need to hit the, please go back to USA jobs button. It's either, you know, up on the left corner or somewhere down at the bottom. If you need to go back, it's going to start off with core. Um, it's going to start off with your name and it takes all this, a lot of information over from USA jobs over to the application site. And it's going to, you know, state your, you know, your address. And then it's going to go into some questions. Your KSAs? Huh? Your KSAs? <laughs> yeah, your KSAs. Um, actually, these the first page of the Forest Service application site is your core eligi- eligibility requirements. And so some of those are really convoluted. And if you, even working for the Forest Service for the amount of time that I have, was still foreign to me when I was reading them. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, so there's going to be some um, questions on there, basically asking you if you're like a White House employee and a, a farm service employee or a postal service employee. And you're going to, you know, unless you were, you're going to say no. Um, and then it's going to ask you about rein, reinstatement eligibility and that's where your performance actually comes into play. And re, like, if you were to go back into the same position, would you have the rehire rights in that position? And that's like, yeah, unless you, they told you you weren't allowed to come back. So you would say no. And then there's going to be, God. Um, like a DD-214 area where uh, veterans preference? Yeah, it's going to ask you about vet preference if you do. And it's going to tell you that if you say yes to a lot of those things, you have to provide the documentation. And if you do, like you're going to, if you are a vet and you are asking for vet preference, you're going to need to put your DD 214 on there. Um, 
And then it'll say, it'll ask, um, did you get honorably discharged or dishonorably discharged? And you have to remember that if you are answering all these questions, you have to answer them correctly and true. So, Oh, yeah, you're committing perjury if you don't. Yeah, exactly. And you probably are not going to get a job. <laughs> nope. Or if you do get picked up and they find out that you lied on your <laughs> application, then that's another whole slew of problems. Yeah. So um, just make sure that you go through and read those carefully. And I can't honestly say the questions verbatim, but if you don't know the answer, then definitely call somebody or, you know, send a picture and be like, I don't know how to answer this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's important that we slow down and really take our time and answer, you know, the best that we can and make sure you're thorough with your application. Because if you miss one piece of documentation or you answer wrong on a KSA, which is your knowledge and skills assessments, uh, then you might not be deemed eligible for the job. Yeah. And, you know, I would say get your application in as soon as possible so that you have time to go in and um, adjust it or fix it if it comes back ineligible. Um, it all, that also depends on the time framing of the people going through Albuquerque, seeing, making sure that the applications are eligible before they get. There's a certification, which is all the, all the applicants get spooled together and we print them off and everybody reads them. Gotcha. So, um, and then on the application is the KSA questions. And so depending on the job, it's going to ask you the basic, um, it's going to ask, say, um, it's going to give you a question and it's going to say, I have training. I only have school. I have this amount. I have minimal supervised, like, under supervision training, I've done this completely. And then you're going to answer those questions as best and true as possible. Gotcha. Um, they might not be to where you are exactly. So you want to answer them as honest as possible. So it's, I think, you know, one of them's like, oh, I supervise small, small modules or squads of, of people. And, you know, you probably did that, but you might have done it under the supervision of a trainer. So you need to answer that as best as you can. And they're very vague. and They are super vague. <laughs> and they've gotten better because it's like, oh, well, now have you, have you used this hand tool? And it's going to give a list of hand tools that you've used. And, um, you know, if you didn't use them in a cloud, I mean, you don't, don't, don't put that you did. <laughs> Oh, McClouds. I, I, Probably, and I picked that one because nobody uses them. <laughs> no, no one. Maybe people back east. That's that's probably about it. Yeah, I've used them back east, but um, I've also used flappers and leaf blowers back east. So, <laughs> Hey, flappers are life, man, especially out in the desert. Oh, yeah, they're great. You just <laughs> smash that shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So what comes after uh, you answer all of these questions and you upload all your documentation What's the next step in the process? Basically, you just um, hit apply, right? No, you got to pick locations. Ah, here we go. So this <laughs> so, is one of those big questions that I have. Do you guys absolutely hate it when you just shotgun duty locations out on your resume or on your application? Yeah. 
and it's not per se for um it's not per se of the smes but it's for the people that are trying to do the hiring because they're they want to go everywhere and i'm not saying that that's wrong and but if you are going to be really specific about your location you should really do the research of some of the locations that you're applying to especially if you're going to click every location in the lower 48 and then say it might not be it might be an outstation for you know somewhere kind of really the polar opposite of where you're from so say you're from you know a big city and they're asking you to go stay in you know rural northeast california and then you're like no i don't want to do that but you picked that duty location and you said you would work there so it's really important to like kind of do your to do your 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 homework on what duty locations you want to work at and i get that like there's a lot of places that have high demand locations and if you really do want to get in i mean some of those remote locations are the best place to go because you're going to get more experience or a ton of experience and opportunity to grow as an employee but maybe to even grow as a person oh yeah absolutely and that and also i think it goes without saying that some of those uh more rural applications or those more rural duty stations that you do apply for they're going to have naturally less applicants so yeah may up your chances of getting picked up for a perm or a seasonal yeah and if you're young and you're willing to travel i mean why wouldn't you take that opportunity you can you can do that and take the location and you might really like it. And then you you know that it's a stepping stone. I would never rule it out. I, I mean, I, I'm not saying that like, you know, what I did was right, but I would say that like, I definitely don't regret taking a job in Idaho permanently. I, I learned a ton from working there and I met some really great people that I'm like, oh, I see him to this day and I'm like, oh man, this is great. <laughs> Good to see you guys. Yeah, I, I had a great time. I was, I've been in a couple of pretty rural stations, so, uh, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say that I've, I've worked at outstations for most of my career and so I love them. They're, they're amazing and fun and they have the best scenery around them. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So you're selecting your jobs or your duty stations. What comes next? So um, you need to select your duty stations, um, and then I would take note of the take note of where you put down, and try to get in touch with those people at those stations and for those modules that you want to work at. Um, okay. I would definitely say that I would as you apply for um, even seasonals apply for there's you know a general list and then there's um module specific lists and i would apply for both and i wouldn't be super selective on which module because they're all going to get you experience and so i would go see those people and talk to them and see you know what their program is about and put your name to the face with the resume maybe go pick up a pt with them Huh? Maybe go pick up a PT with them. Yeah. Um, 
you can always ask them too what their preference is. Uh, I know that some hotshot modules want to see UPT with them. And so I would ask them their preference and then they say, yeah, we would love for you to come PT with us. Uh, definitely set that up. If it's a module that doesn't require that for you to get on, but they are like, yeah, come on in and meet us and, you know, come talk to us, tell us about yourself. That way, you know, they just know who you are. It's, there's papers and papers of people. And so having the name to a face and even, even now, if you can get to a station and they'll sit down and help you with their, your resume and help you work on it if you don't have those folks available to you. So, um, yeah, go give them a call and see, you know, if you can meet up with them and if they have their preference of PT with them or not. So putting yourself out there is a lot about this job and, um, it's really hard for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also rules you, you of engagement. You just gotta do it. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, there's also some rules of engagement with that as well. I mean, definitely give these guys, if you plan on like showing your face and putting a, a face to a name of course do your due diligence do your due diligence and give them a courtesy call first and he's like hey yeah. i applied for your station yada 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 i would like to see if i can come in and see what you guys are all about and then go from there don't just like yeah. show up at their door and be like hey man i applied because that's just disrespectful yeah and you know there's a lot of times during uh there's the work week and sometimes during the summer especially during the season, you're, you're catching up on paperwork, um, trying to get projects done, or you got to go out to project work. And so it's really kind of difficult to go visit stations right in the middle of the season. But if you give them a call and they can set up a time and know that there's always the possibility that there's going to be a fire. Um, and so they might call you or they just might not be there if you show up. But um, they'll set up times with you. People are pretty good about it in the, at the stations and trying to get people recruited and talking to people and even just giving them the basic knowledge of how to get into the system. Oh, so yeah. I think that's like the hardest part. Well, it's this thing too, is I think that, uh, there's not a lot of tools out there to, uh, you know, explain how to do this. It's kind of just like a, well, I'm going to try and figure this out. If it doesn't work, I'll try again next season. Yeah. Um, I know that when I first started, I had no idea how to apply for this job. Oh, I and didn't have a clue. I don't even know where those resumes went, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so they went off into outer space somewhere. And so it definitely, it was super helpful to get to know people that worked in the forest service and they really pointed me in a way better direction. And so, um, and all it took was just going into a station. See, there you go. Little, yeah. uh, little, uh, face to a name. Yeah. yeah. And being like, Oh, you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> you know? So, um, it was really important. And so I do recommend getting out there and start seeing where the stations are. You can even visit in the off season, That always, that's actually helpful giving them a call and asking them first if you can come over and, you know, sit down with them is always the biggest courtesy and leaving voicemails. So voicemails do, they go into the abyss. And so, 
um, your name gets probably written down on a piece of paper and stuck in this pile of two file. And so I, if you, I would recommend that if nobody answers, I would just call back later. Remind yourself to call back at a different time on a different day or later on that day. But um, yeah, voicemails are really hard. Oh, yeah. I don't know about you, but how many voicemails have you guys returned for people that are looking to just, meet up at your station? Uh, just a couple, but that's like kind of people that we've like seen around the stations or people that we're kind of trying to recruit from the AD program or something like that. But uh, to be completely honest with you, I'm not a hiring official. I'm not on a hiring board at all. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I think they just get really hard, especially if it's in the middle of the season. And then you just feel kind of bad for recruiting in front of the seasonal that you have working for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially if you like them. You're like, I'm not trying to get rid of you. <laughs> so um, it's really important just to, like, you know, make those phone calls. But, and if you don't get a call back, then maybe try calling again. Yeah. I that, mean, that would be the other solution. Don't blow them up by any means, but no, yeah. don't pester them. Yeah. Oh, you absolutely. know, you don't need to go crazy and stalk people and stuff like that. So <laughs> just, hey, I've, you know, tried to get, I tried to get a hold of you. I just wanted to see where you guys were at. Can I schedule a time with you? Nice. So. So what comes next after the whole uh, selection stage and the talking to people? Um, then there's just the process of waiting for hiring and that's oh i would make part. sure that your you have your your application is received oh yeah that is the key and then i would make sure that it's referred because it'll tell you you have an option of getting notifications for applications that you've submitted and i would say yes i would like those notifications and then it notifies you once the status of your application has changed and so it's really important to get that so that you know exactly where your application is at. And if something's wrong, then you can go further into the next phase, which is either having the time to resubmit your application and reread the questions. Because I know that, again, it's really important to take the time to read the questions on the application. But what if you forgot to answer one yes or no so you would have time to go in and make sure that everything is there or you need to update some information on there or you can also decide that you don't want this job and you can withdraw your application as well See, that's so an, oh sorry go that, oh no go for it oh uh, that's one thing uh, a critical piece of information that you absolutely have to have on your resume or else it'll get rejected is the amount of hours worked per week yes Absolutely. You also have need that. to make sure that your GS time is broken up into specific dates per season, and you need your your GS level on there. So you need to have your 0462, 03, or um, 04, and it all needs to be broken down into your time frames because. HR might be like, well, what if they only worked one month out of these years? If you just lump every season all together. Yeah. That was the one thing on resumes that I forgot completely and probably one of the most important things. And that information is usually, you know, you can obtain that information <coughs> on 
your SF50 as well. Yes, you can. Um, they want to see dates and the SF50 is basically just backing all that up and making sure that you are correct in that. Nice. All right. So what other uh, tips and tricks do you have uh, as far as like best practices for applying? You got anything else for us? Oh, man. Just you got to keep an eye out on the, the application itself. Um, you want to make sure that it's received. If it's not, um, it could be an error on our side. So I would definitely reach out to any of the recruiting officials that you're working with because they can go in and try to see if it was an error on our side. And if that's an error on our side, they can definitely try to get that fixed. And so you want to see if that's the case and so that you can get your application in. If it was that you marked a box wrong, then that's not an error on our side, so we can't fix that. Gotcha. You have to go in there and fix it yourself, pretty much. You do, and but you have to be aware of when that, that happens. And so I think the biggest thing is is to make sure that you get your application in as early as possible. That gives you time to go in and fix something if it doesn't come back with a good response. Like, you want to get an email that says it was received, and on the new system is really cool because it will tell you if something is incomplete or it's not referring you or you don't qualify for that position because of something. That way you can go back and you can click where it's red at the, it's right when you're going to submit the application. It'll be a red box. Like a little red asterisk next to it. Yeah. And I'll have an asterisk and it'll, it'll basically tell you, hey, you're about to submit an application and you're it's not going to work for you. It's not going to work really well. You need to go look at it. And so it'll take you back to where it's been. It's either not answered or it'll tell you, hey, this isn't answered or you said no, this makes you not qualify for this job. So again, it goes back to reading it and making sure that you're taking the time to submit the application. Don't rush through it. If you only have five minutes, save it for an, another time where you have an hour to sit down and make sure that everything is to the T. Yeah. Definitely take your time on your application. That's for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of rushing through my own application before. So that's like one of the, the biggest lessons I've learned in the last few years is like, just sit down and do it. <laughs> nice. And a lot of this information that you went over during this podcast, I mean, that applies also to your seasonal positions as well. Or even yes. your new hires, too. You're like brand new firefighter who has no fire experience. Of course, they're not going to have you, SF50s and evals and all that stuff, but, you know, you're probably not going to need them for that application. Yeah, no, you're not. So you're most likely going to be applying for a GS3 or a GS4 position, whichever one. Um, one is on the GS3, again, supervisors and references, make sure that they're really up to speed and up to snuff. Um, I know that for the permanent and apprentice and people that have already been into it, it's really easy because we just look in our computer, we find a number if we can't get a hold of the number that's provided. But there's a lot of you know people that have zero experience and they put their manager down that, you know, it's, it's at a restaurant and they're a night manager and I'm calling them at 10 o'clock in the morning at a restaurant that's not open. So 
cell phones or personal a good contact a good point of contact for reference is so crucial in that and then um any experience that you do have um put it down construction waiting tables counting tills i mean working at a grocery store bagging stocking lifting heavy things it, it all goes towards experience to the job and it, it will definitely help you you just need to make sure that you're going into detail on your position in a restaurant just like you would even if it's and you have experience giving good details of what you actually do so that we can take your experience and utilize it and make sure that you know it's going towards a good position on in our on our modules basically so being a rookie isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just you got to learn to put yourself out there just like the rest of us. So, um, yeah. And don't be afraid of taking jobs in remote locations. Those are the biggest things. And again, putting yourself out there. Well, I think that's an important thing too, is like no one in this career is stuck. I mean, if you want to move up, move on or get out, apply for stuff, but also, you know, write a quality resume, make your chances greater. I mean, this relies, this whole thing heavily relies on you. No one else is going to do it for you. So if you want to move on, do the work. Yeah, you are, you are in complete and a hundred percent in control of um, your, your career. And so if this is what you really want, you're going to make it work no matter what. Oh, absolutely. Well, damn, that was a, that was a long episode. That was good. That was a lot of information about, uh, about fire hire and the ins and outs of, uh, at least R5. I mean, I know that every, uh, different region does business a little bit differently. So this is just one of those, uh, one of those, I guess, caveats to the way that R5 does fire hire. Yeah. And if, I feel like if you can jump through just basically the hurdles of writing a resume and going through, USA jobs. I'm sure, pretty sure that you will, um, you will probably get a job throughout the U.S. for the Forest Service and in fire and aviation. And so, I think it's really important that it's not just you know to Region Five, but if you can write a quality resume, you can probably you can go to any other region as well. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing, so, too, man. Get that education, too. If you got education experience, definitely throw that in there. Yeah, don't forget your transcripts and your education. That, you know, I I guess I'd, I didn't really utilize that until I stopped utilizing it. So I forget <laughs> about transcripts. But as long as you, um, if you, if you have the experience, like I said, don't short yourself on any of that stuff. College is also a great experience, so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, yeah, so. Well, cool, man. Um, so at the end of the show, I usually do uh, a shout-out. And uh, just any homie, hero, mentor of yours, uh, any shout-out that you want to give, who do, you, uh, who do you got in mind? Oh, my God. Um, I would say Justin DeForest. He was... A boss of mine back in Cape Cod, but he, he works in Colorado now, and um, he taught me a lot about leadership and 
gave me a lot of opportunity to get out there and just do it, I guess. I don't know. I still talk to him all the time and he's just like, look at you go. Um, there's also so many other people like Steve Diaz, who was my first captain and gave me my first job. So he now <laughs> is recently retired or um, retired from Cal Fire as an inmate captain. So he's been out doing crazy things all these, well, all lately. So it's pretty cool. So Hell yeah. there's, there's like many more people. I would shout out my crew right now. Who, you know, <laughs> uh, be careful with that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So shout out to your crew. You guys know who you are. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, well, cool. I well, thank you for coming on the show and kind of breaking down uh, the hiring practice, best practices for hiring and how fire hire works. And uh, yeah, I hope that your words of advice are going to help a lot of uh, people that are looking to move up in their career and uh, get their foot in the door to a new place. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that I gave at least one person out there some good advice, at least one. <laughs> oh, I'm sure people are going to be eating this episode up because uh, USA Jobs and Fire Hire can be a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, I never look forward to it. I don't I'm think like, anybody I don't does. Know. <laughs> if I'm applying for a job, I'm like, I dread it. Probably I'm just not, I'm not as due diligent as I should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that anticipation factor too. You know, you're just sitting there waiting and then all of a sudden you're like referred or not referred or best qualified or qualified. You know, you're just like, oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. And then you're like, where does this application go into outer space? <laughs> exactly. Well, so hopefully some of the tips and tricks that you got, that you gave the, uh, our audience here, uh, hopefully that will prevent their resume from ending into the uh, gray or green filing cabinet that usually resides on the floor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Um, hopefully it helps just for some people that didn't really know how to get out there and, um, you know, don't really know where to start. Gave them an idea of where to start. And I can't give specific locations, but you know, you can always Google, we got the, the Googleizer and you can always Google, uh, forest service stations around you and go talk to them. Perfect. So you're giving them a good anchor point. <laughs> yeah. See what I did there. There yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's all about though. Helping all, helping out our brothers and sisters. <laughs> well, right on. Well, Ashley, uh, I just want to say thank you once again and, uh, yeah, look forward to hearing from you again. Yeah, give me a call anytime. Right <laughs> Thanks, on, Brandon. dude. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Anchor Port, guys. Take care. Have a good, good have a good day. <laughs>
I'm a huge advocate for the apprenticeship program, uh, and uh, I was an apprentice myself, and uh, occasionally I do go down there and crew boss, but that's for a later date. Anyways, I uh, just want to give a couple shout-outs, uh, one being the American Wildfire Experience. You can go check them, also known as the Smoky Generation. So you can go visit them at www.wildfireexperience.org, and they are awesome people. Huge shout out to Bethany and what she's doing. She's actually uh, conducting like a digital storytelling uh, platform online, and it's pretty unique. And uh, they also help issue grants to our community. So if you guys are a photojournalist or journalist or writer, or you just have a special talent, definitely go check them out because, uh, well, who knows? You might guys uh, might get a grant out of it. So, if you have a particular talent and you want to express that talent, definitely check out the Smoky Generation and the American Wildfire Experience. Also, a huge shout-out to Mystery Ranch for making some bomber packs and supporting our community. They also happen to go hand-in-hand with the Smoky Generation. They actually uh, help fund those grants, and I deeply appreciate that. It's definitely cool that these guys are supporting the community. It's awesome. Anyways, guys, uh, definitely keep tagging us in your uh, bomber photos from the season. And if you guys have an epic photo, we'll definitely repost it. So use our hashtag, the Anchor Point Podcast, and tag us in your photos if you guys are interested. Keep on listening. Keep on spreading the good word. And thank you for listening to the Anchor Point. Later.